This is SR1. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, April 9th, 2023. Happy Easter to everyone. Happy birthday to my son, Christian. You are listening to SR1 on Newstalk STL. My name is Rob Carter. I'm going to host the show for the next two hours. We are going to get into some very difficult conversations today. This is a show I've been working on for the better part of two years. Always been just a little apprehensive to even share it or to talk about it. But there is no doubt that this pedophilia angle that's going on around the country and around the world is something that needs to be explored. And you don't generally hear much about it on the radio, but with all of the conversation about this guy, Dylan Mulvaney, and his partnership with Bud Light, I think it's time to explore this topic. Very disturbing. There's a lot of information out there. It's overwhelming. I think a case can be made and I've been making it for a long time, the world is run like a mafia. And mafia use vices. And it has crept into Washington, D.C., into all of our trusted institutions. And that's why this world is going crazy. We have corruption in this system from top to bottom and some very evil things. This is a headline in The Independent. It says, Vladimir Putin claims pedophilia is normal. In West, in bizarre speech. That's what it says. I don't know that it's that bizarre anymore. We are going to talk today about a story. uh, It was called the Franklin cover-up. Now, you may remember this story, but it has been out of the limelight for a long time. We're going to get into that story. It's a story of pedophilia, the banking industry, and Washington, D.C. elites and elite people from around the country. We're going to tie that to the case of Jeffrey Epstein. We are going to tie that to the case of Jimmy Seville in the UK. If you don't know Jimmy Seville, Jimmy Seville was one of the most popular television personalities in Britain. He was on TV for 40, 50 years. He was uh, very tight with the crown over there. After his death, it came out that he was one of the most prolific pedophiles in the world. Right out in front of everybody. Uh, a a big-time celebrity all over the television sets in Britain, and it turns out he was a prolific pedophile. We're going to tie the story of Corey Feldman and Corey Hamey. You might remember these guys. They were child actors back in the 80s and 90s. Both came out and said there were elite, very powerful people tied to pedophilia in Hollywood. We are going to tie that to a guy named Mike Gill who says the banking industry, along with child trafficking and human trafficking, was discovered by him in New Hampshire, and he has been trying to get that message out now for years. He goes all the way up to Michael Flynn and Donald Trump, and I'll play clips of that story here in just a bit. Then there's the story of Arizona that I brought to you a few weeks back. The Sinaloa drug cartel, this woman, Jacqueline Brager, went before an election committee and said, The Sinaloa drug cartel has taken over all of Arizona. We're going to tie that to the conversation we had just a while back with Mike Brown, former DEA Army Ranger that I had on, and he talked all about fentanyl and the distribution of fentanyl and heroin around this country. I flat out asked him, I said, do you think that these drug cartels could possibly have taken over 
an entire state, and he didn't say no. Let's put it to you that way. Gave me the impression that it's very possible. He, he gave us some anecdotal information. And if you tie New Hampshire to Arizona and the conversations there, along with the Franklin Club cover-up, along with the Jeffrey Epstein story, and then the Isaac Cappy story. Now, if you're someone who follows this pedophilia angle, you know all these stories have been out there for a long time. All really reached the public eye with the WikiLeaks drops. And who used the WikiLeaks drops to get elected? Donald John Trump. These WikiLeaks drops were talking about elite pedophile rings and code words that were going on. It was tied to these elite pedophile rings. It didn't really, it was all in code. And we're going to play some clips from a woman named Liz Croak, and she's been all over this pedophile angle. And she references these WikiLeaks drops where Tony Podesta, uh, his brother Tony, uh, or uh, Tony Podesta and John Podesta, she ties him to these stories where they're uh, ordering hot dogs to the White House. Uh, all of these FBI-related symbols and terminology that are in these WikiLeaks drops Our own FBI says it's code language for pedophilia. We are going to talk about the documentary Out of Shadows today. We're going to tie a lot of different uh, data points together. It is undeniable that something is going on. Something very sinister. Something very dark. Something that most people just cannot wrap their brains around. They just can't. They can't see it. They don't want to see it. They just, they want to pull away from it and say that couldn't possibly be happening that the Rape, the torture, the prostitution rings that are going on in this country to compromise people in very powerful positions, to own them. Because if you're a pedophile and somebody finds out and then compromises you and then puts you in positions of power, they start to back you and put you in positions of power because they basically own your soul now. What could happen? How could that manifest itself? These are the things that we need to explore. These are things that cannot be ignored any longer. All of the information is out there right before you, right before your very eyes. At some point, it becomes impossible to say it's not true. With the advent of the internet, YouTube, DuckDuckGo, all of the information is out there, all of the witness statements All of the people involved can go right out to these social media uh, sites and put their story out there. You see tapes from the 90s and the 80s and the 2000s that people involved in these situations told their story, and you can determine whether you think it's true or not. I went through hours and hours and hours of testimony for this show. Two years ago, I started it, and I almost convinced myself not to talk about it because I thought it was just a little too hot. But after watching all of these videos, watching all of these witness statements, watching how it played out, and then watching stories from multiple different angles and multiple different people all share the same thread of truth, uh, it's time to discuss it. And if you think it's not possible, let let me just give you just some background very quickly. A lot of people, if you get into the religious conversation, Religious people think a spiritual war is going on. And then if you're on the science angle, you don't believe in God, you're an atheist, you say, well, this is just science. Either way it goes, let me give you the definition or the characteristics of a sociopath. Now, I'm somebody who has always been interested in 
serial killers and this kind of thing because my mind is just so, it baffles me that somebody could walk around completely normal. When you meet them, you say they're a very nice guy. Uh, They're hanging out, they have wives, they have children, and then out of nowhere, when nobody's paying attention, they're out raping, killing, torturing people. Remember the BTK BTK killer? You got... um, You got Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy. All of these people, by the way, were involved in politics. And that is the, I think that's the key element. When you are somebody who has, uh, whose goal is power, think of the angle that would give you in the realm of pedophilia. Helpless children become your target because you love The idea of power. Here are the signs of a sociopath. Lack of empathy for others. Impulsive behavior. Attempting to control others with threats of aggression. Using intelligence, charm, or charisma to manipulate others. Doesn't that sound like politicians? Doesn't that sound like the political arena we're in today? It goes on. It says, not learning from mistakes or punishment. Lying for personal gain and showing a tendency to physical violence. Uh, If you are a pedophile, and if you are the intelligence agencies, that's a nice little marriage because the intelligence agencies can now control pedophiles, put them into positions of power and control them. If you are a mafia, and you can use whatever vice is at your disposal, Think of the power that can be gained underneath the covers by compromising people in positions of power. Take all of those thought processes. Don't give up on me just yet because I am going to make a case that I that I just think you can't deny any longer. And I think it is time to really talk through these things because of what's going on with this transgenderism, what's going on with the literature within schools about pedophilia, the cultural revolution that we're going through right now, Uh, I don't like it. I don't think many conservatives like it. I don't think many liberals like it. But it is being shoved down our throat. And the big question is, why is it being shoved down our throats at this particular moment in time? Let me start with this Dylan Mulvaney story, and then we'll get into all of the other topics that I touched on. Uh, This is the Bud Light commercial. Cringeworthy. This is what's going on in the corporate world. This is what the corporations think you want to hear. This is the connection they want to make between beer and your mind. Makes no sense. It's just incredible. And a lot of people who drink Bud Light have said, no more for me. Here is Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light commercial. Check this out. Clip number one, one. Ready, go. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but... It turns out it has something to do with sports, and I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money too. Love ya. Cheers. Go team. Whatever team you love. I love too. Okay. Love ya. Okay. Break a leg. Woo. Now that makes me thirsty. I don't know about you, 
But it is so absurd that it shocks the system. It's so absurd that you just can't wrap your brain around it. If that commercial had come out 20 years ago, uh, the world would have been up in arms. But we are being, something is going on with the populace here in the United States. We get upset and we get angry, but we do nothing about anything ever. No matter how much horrible information comes to light, nobody does anything about anything because they feel helpless. We're not helpless, of course. But we are made to believe that we are helpless and we feel that like we are helpless and we are never moved to act. And that's what concerns me about the political, uh, the political agendas going on in D.C. You know, a lot of people are all of their hopes are tied up into Donald Trump. And I say to Donald Trump, where is your advocacy for decency? Where is the exposure to all of these evil things that are going on? Why are you not out there? organizing the American people instead of organizing the American people to defend you? Why aren't you organizing people to defend themselves at the state and local level? It just doesn't make any sense. Here is another clip that I think you need to hear. This is Dylan Mulvaney again, the same guy with this Bud Light commercial and and a guy named Jeffrey Marsh. Now listen to how insane these conversations are and just think to yourself, is this where we are heading? Uh, clip number one, four, ready, go. Day 80 of being a girl. <laughs> yes. And I am with my all-time role model. This is the person that made you're me. You're my ins- role model. No, 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 no. no. You're my role model. No, 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 no. You inspired me to start making content. <laughs> and okay. so accept that. Yes. Okay. I accept it. This is Jeffrey Marsh. Will you accept that you're an inspiration? And I love you very much. Fine. Thank you. I, I love okay. you very much. Um, I have a little gift for you. My signature I saw little that. sunglasses. Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is Jeff. What are your pronouns? They, them. Okay. I'm she, they. What are your pronouns? I mean, this, I don't know about anybody else, but I think this is all a bunch of nonsense. I think anybody that buys into it needs to see a therapist immediately. Now I want to get into this a particular clip. This is a woman or a man, however you want to look at it. Fallon Fox. This is a transgender. This is a grown man in a fistfight, an MMA competition. Uh, And I'll let you hear how it goes. And listen to the interview with Fallon, Mr. Fallon Fox, at the end of this conversation. Spooky. Check it out. Clip number five, two. Ready. Go. Fox delivering the knees, and that's it. Fallon Fox. Holy cow. Game over. Wow. And a quick finish to our first our first women's $20,000 championship tournament fight. Oh! How you feeling right now? I'm feeling excellent. That was sweet, huh? Did you like that? Yeah! And I want to tell everyone else, I'm coming in this, in this tournament. Every woman in this tournament better look out. I'm freaking coming. It is time for the American people to stand up against this insanity. It's nuts. It's got to stop. People, come on. Let's get it together. Let's join up and let's make this madness end quickly. Stick around. Segment number two coming right back. The story that I'm going to tell you is it's going to blow your mind. Stick around. We'll be right back. SR1 Sundays. SR1 Sundays.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, my name is Rob Carter. If you have kids listening, if you have children in the car, now is a good time to turn the station. The material we are going to get into is disturbing, not for the ears of children. And again, like I said, I've been studying this for three years, was very, very, very apprehensive to even talk about it, but there's so much information out there that uh, paints a dis- just a disgusting picture that I think it's time we start talking about it. I think it's time that the American people get off their duffs and recognize that the evil going on around them needs to be addressed and it needs to be stopped quickly. I want to start with the premise of reality. Because people do not want to wrap their brains around what's going on in this world. Pedophilia, Satanism, our intelligence agencies, the drug cartels, uh, the banks and the money laundering, they all are wrapped up into one big mafia. And you have to think of not only how the world is organized, but how the underground works. This is for a bottom-up, top-down system. From the top, you see the World Economic Forum, the corporations, the United Nations. These are the corporations that are selling you on transgenderism. And if you say that you disagree with the idea of turning little boys into little girls and turning little girls into little boys, well, then you're just, you, you, you're against human rights. You're a bad person. You're a right-wing Christian lunatic. When in reality, you're just a decent human being that knows the difference between right and wrong. But that's not the way the corporations are going to sell it. That leads you into the bottom-up. The bottom-up means you're going to use mafia tactics to infiltrate the political system, the banks, the media, everything, so that you can control the messaging and you can control the policy. That's the mafia angle. That's the human trafficking, the drug trafficking. That's why the borders are wide open, by the way. When you hear the story of Mike Gill up in New Hampshire, and you lay that on top of the story down in Phoenix, Arizona, with Jacqueline Brager, talking about the politicians, the banks, the judges, the election system all working together. It's the same story in both angles. When you hear the story of Jeffrey Epstein compromising public officials in the media, public officials in the network news in Hollywood, public officials in D.C., public officials in the U.K., and you lay that on top of the story of Paul Benassi, the Franklin cover-up in Nebraska, Project Monarch, when you lay these things on top of each other, it's the same story throughout generations from different states, from different witnesses. We all get to see it. WikiLeaks, the drops in WikiLeaks were talking about, they were using code language. And when those were dropped, Donald Trump used portions of it, but he didn't use the angle of pedophilia. And again, why? Why is that topic too hot for people in power to touch 
when it could be the most dangerous element of our system. If our kids are not safe, if the people in power want to start teaching transgenderism to kids, and if you disagree with it, you're a rotten parent. If that is the direction the country's headed in, don't you want to stop it? What would move you to get up and start getting involved in your society? If you're a parent who has young kids in public schools, don't you want to do something about it? Are you going to do something about it? And if you're going to do something about it, how are you going to go about it? Is there going to be a leader from D.C. to help you? No. Is there going to be a leader within the states to help you? I doubt it. You better get involved at the local level. You had better organize and you better understand just how serious the situation we find ourselves. Because it's no longer a joke. It's no longer something that's going to fix itself tomorrow. It is right here. It is right now. The clock is ticking. The walls are closing in. And the distance between total totalitarianism, where these people who do these types of things will have ultimate control over you. Digital currency, that's the key. Digital currency is the checkmate of the system. And it's happening. It's happening quick. They're telling you it's happening. You're watching your currency dissolve right before your very eyes. We've talked about bricks and the things that are going on around the world to uproot the dollar, to destroy the dollar. It's all happening as we watch our ridiculous movies, as we go about our daily lives and just say somebody else will fix it. I don't want to even know about it. I just want to live my life and figure out how to work in this evil system. The first clip I want to play is about shaping reality. Pay attention to this. This is from the movie Out of Shadows. Out of Shadows is a documentary that has a guy by the name of Kevin Shipp. Kevin Shipp was a CIA whistleblower, and he talks about the history of MK Ultra and these mind control operations that were used through Hollywood motion pictures and through, quite honestly, celebrities that we trusted. The guy narrating this particular portion is a guy by the name of Mike Smith. Mike Smith was a stuntman in Hollywood. Uh, one of the most elite, he won all kinds of awards. He knew all of the famous actors, and he didn't believe anything was going on in Hollywood because he had not seen it. He's just a stuntman. But when he got hurt, he had this woman who was working on him that said, uh, that basically convinced him that she had worked on kids that have been just destroyed through this pedophile, this elite pedophile ring that was going on in Hollywood. So he starts asking friends and he starts diving into it and he starts to realize it's real. This is him talking about uh, just perceptions and why we believe the things we believe. I'm not going to play another clip where he talks about the consolidation of the media empires because a handful of people at the very top of these media operations, we're talking about maybe five people, they control all of the news and information that you digest in network television where most people get their information. Again, if I tell you something, if I give you all of the information, if I study for two years and I lay it out, chapter and verse, most people will not be able to digest it unless the television box confirms it. Just think of yourself. Would you believe something that you heard here that you could go research for yourself? You could watch the testimony of all these children. 
You could know the story inside and out and come to a conclusion, even if your own mind said this is absolutely happening. Could you digest it if the television didn't confirm it for you? If Fox News and CNN and ABC and CBS and NBC, if they didn't confirm it for you, is it really real? I know it's crazy, but I'm telling you, when you do as much conversation, if you have as much conversation, to do as much research as I do, you start to realize that everybody you talk to, 9 out of 10 people, are tied to information that they get from the television box. Whatever's there in the network news, whatever the narrative of the day is, watch. Remember the spy balloons? I made fun of the spy balloons. Where'd the spy balloons go? Where did the UFOs go? These are narratives that are so absurd and so ridiculous, but they just go away. Nobody seems to care about them anymore. We have the idea that we're, we have a storyline and a narrative that we're going to have a nuclear war between Russia and Ukraine, and we're right in the middle of it, and everybody's just going about their daily lives like nothing's happening. Uh, why is that, do you think? Shaping of reality. Clip number 8-1. Ready. Go. Why do you believe what you believe? Because... At some point in your life, you trusted the information that somebody was giving you. And that someone you trusted told you that a car was a car, a tree was a tree, a bird was a bird, the blue stuff above you is the sky. And that's the way that we began to determine what we believe to be a fact. Most of the things that we believe to be a fact in our lives are told to us through our stories or the news that we hear. So my question would be, if they were deceiving you with the stories they tell you, would you be able to recognize that? The short answer is no. Most people cannot recognize what is obvious beyond any shadow of a doubt that the news media is hiding information that the politicians have backed them, that they are working together. The Jeffrey Epstein story is the most obvious. And I'm going to get into the Jeffrey. I'm going to, you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm going to play a couple more clips from out of shadows. And then I'm going to start with just some information that we all know that we just let slip by. But once you recognize the Jeffrey Epstein story is tied to project Monarch in the Paul Benassi, uh, story out of Nebraska. When you see those two things lay on top of each other and then the story out of New Hampshire with Mike Gill and out of Arizona with Jacqueline Brager, you start to see these things and it's undeniable. But check this out. I want to play one more clip for you. This is Kevin Shipp. Kevin Shipp, CIA whistleblower, talking about uh, the mindset the American people have to ignore these things that are before us. They just don't want to go there because it's too... It's just too hard to, to, to believe it. It just makes you want to puke and you just want to run from it. You say, no, this cannot be happening. But ladies and gentlemen, pedophilia in this country is happening and it's happening in a big way. And very few of our politicians are talking about it. And I'd ask why. Across the psychological line that this stuff is going on. And we all have a mental defense mechanism uh, it's like finally admitting there's an elite pedophile ring. I mean, most people just don't want to go there. And, and the same is here. You, psychologically, you lose your safety, your security, and whatever innocence you have when you realize that this stuff is really going on. And it's a, 
it's a chore to cross over that barrier and realize, oh my gosh, this stuff is really happening. And that's why it takes critical thinking. The people have got to look at this stuff critically and see what they're being fed so they can cross that psychological line that they just refuse to, to see it when it's right in front of them. And I want people to look at these things critically as well. Uh, when I start to have conversations uh, with people around these things, my close friends and family, they get it. They see it, but they're talking to me on a continual basis. And I'll show them information. I'll send them clips. I'll say, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know this? And this goes on and on and on and on. So people start to go, wow, you know, you told me to look at this and now I'm starting to see things in your way. This is easy. This is easy to diagnose what's going on here. It's just so fantastical and so impossible to believe that people just go, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to think about it. The woman that is at the center recently of the pedophile story is a woman by the name of Liz Crokin. Now, if you have been paying attention to the alternative news, you know who Liz Crokin is. She worked for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, she was out there. She was uh, telling everybody. She, she read the WikiLeaks drops that mentioned Tony, I'm sorry, uh, John Podesta, who's a confidant of Hillary Clinton. John Podesta, when Hillary Clinton supposedly lost in 2016, he was the person uh, that came out and addressed the crowd. That's how tight John Podesta is with the Clintons. He has just the most disgusting art all over his walls that there was one time when one of the major news outlets was walking through his house and you could actually see it. Child torture, um, child rape, all these this insane pedophilia art all over his walls and people just walk by it like it's not there. Liz Crokin has been on this story for a long time and she talks about Pizzagate. When you remember these stories, it'll start to ring, it'll start to uh, bring to your memory all of these stories that we once were talking about and then they were squashed by the media as being conspiracy theories from uh, news sources and, and alternative media sources buried in the web and it's just ridiculous and there's no truth to it. Liz Crokin has another uh, point of view. Investigators have already proven there's nothing to the story, right? Well, actually, no. And that's what you need to know. For all that is here, there has not been one single public investigation of any of this. Not from. He's talking about Pizzagate. I should have set that up better. Here we go. Local police, not from the FBI, no one. And that has to be the big question. Not for Podesta or for pizza parlor owners, but for law enforcement. Based on what may be or may not be here, the big question is, why hasn't any investigation taken place? This is insane. So many people in the mainstream media have said, Pizzagate is conspiracy theory. Pizzagate has been debunked. It has not been debunked. If it's been debunked, explain the code words. No one to this day, including John Podesta himself, can explain the code words in his emails. Hey, John Podesta, can you please explain why you have children rented for entertainment for your adult hot tub parties? No one has ever explained why John Podesta has literal pedophile and cannibalism paintings all over his office and his home. Tony Podesta, too. We'll get back into more of that clip in segment number three. Open up your minds to the possibilities of what is going on around you because it is sickening, it is disturbing, and we must put an end to it. Segment three, we'll be right back. We get some rules to follow. The Rob Carter Show, SR1 Sundays. 
SR1 Sundays. everybody welcome back once again you are listening to sr1 on news talk stl my name is rob carter and you are listening to the rob carter show we left the last segment with liz croken now what liz croken is talking about are the wikileaks drops and just to recap if you're just joining the show the wikileaks drops had emails from tony podesta tony podesta was tight with the clintons In fact, Tony Podesta was the guy, I I think I mentioned this earlier, the guy that came out and uh, addressed the audience when Hillary Clinton lost the election in 2016. He was the the person who came out and addressed everybody. Tony Podesta has emails using code language for pedophilia in these WikiLeaks drops that Donald Trump used. He didn't use those drops. He used other drops within WikiLeaks. We didn't touch the pedophilia angle. It was all over the alternative news back in the day. But this John Podesta was using code language that you could look up on the FBI website and see that the exact language that Tony Podesta was using was on the FBI website as code language for pedophiles. They used pepperoni pizza for boys and cheese pizza for girls and these kind of things. It was a it was a code language. There's one drop in WikiLeaks that just used to, I, I couldn't get over it when you look at it, and it says they are ordering 50 hot dogs to be flown into D.C. for a big party they're having. And you're like, 50 hot dogs? What the heck is going on around here, and why would you be flying hot dogs into D.C.? But this is the language that was on these WikiLeaks drops. And remember, Julian Assange, the head of WikiLeaks, remains in prison. He was not pardoned by our hero, Donald Trump. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why would the journalist that was exposing the American government, why would that guy be sitting in prison when all he was trying to do was say, hey, listen up, there's some really serious things going on. You need to understand what's happening, and I'm going to release all of this information so you guys can sort it out yourselves. And then the media distorted all of it and put us right back into where we always are, living in an illusion. Let's finish up with this Liz Crokin, Liz Crokin uh, clip, and then we'll move forward with the story. Uh, Liz Crokin, ready, go. If it's been debunked, explain the code words. No one to this day, including John Podesta himself, can explain the code words in his emails. Hey, John Podesta, can you please explain why you have children rented for entertainment for your adult hot tub parties? No one has ever explained why John Podesta has literal pedophile and cannibalism paintings all over his office and his home. Tony Podesta, too. And then you look into the spirit cooking dinners. And you look into Marina Abramovic, who's the one that was conducting the spirit cooking dinners. Why are they going to spirit cooking dinners? Why are they sacrificing chicken samoa? So these spirit cooking dinners, there's... All kinds of, well, there's just picture after picture after picture that was released with all, with just the highest profile celebrities in this country doing these spirit cooking dinners. It's kind of a satanic ritual, it feels like. And this Maria, Marie, Marina Abramovich, she was the artist behind it. 
And there, there's these pictures of famous celebrities uh, feasting on fake bodies with blood. And it's just, it looks like a satanic ritual. And how this can be going on and nobody be paying attention to it uh, shocks the conscience. But that's what she's talking about with this spirit cooking. Continue on. In their backyard. This isn't my words. This is their words. This is in their emails. I'd be willing to debate anyone who thinks that Pizzagate has been debunked. You asked me when, yeah. uh, when did, uh, how am I getting additional briefings? That, that was the first and last time I talked so to October you. October 9th is the last time you've heard from the FBI at all. Yes. You have not gotten an update on the investigation of your personal email. That, that is correct. So not only did the mainstream media lie to you about Pizzagate, they actually told you that it was illegal to read John Podesta's emails. Now, I want to stop right there because last week I did a show, and I took more heat on last week's show than any of the previous shows that I've ever done, whether it be the podcast, whether it be the radio show. Never did I take more negative feedback from the Donald Trump supporters. What I was trying to show was that Donald Trump may, we should consider, I'm not saying it's a definite, we should consider the fact that he might be, be, he might be just a distraction so all of these things can go on. Because if the news narratives continue to be about Joe Biden and Donald Trump or Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, then we never get to these stories that we're talking about here, the big ones. This, what she goes on to say in this uh, next portion of the clip is that Chris Cuomo from CNN, and I mentioned him last week, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Chris Cuomo and the Cuomo family is tied back to Fred Trump and the Trump family. These two families are in New York City, and they're working together. Fred Trump hired Mario Tr- uh, Cuomo as an attorney back in the 70s. Fred Trump hired the future governor of New York, and then Mario Cuomo becomes governor, his son becomes governor, and his other son has a primetime show on CNN. Now, Chris Cuomo, and I'm going to play, I, I won't even play the clip. Uh, Ed, uh, I'm going to tell you a story, then we'll get back into this. Epstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, we all know the story behind that, but apparently there was an address book that was found on the streets of New York back in the 90s. A woman picked up the book. She held on to it because it had a lot of prominent names in there, including Donald Trump, including the Rothschilds, including uh, several people that she recognized the name. So she just held on to it. Later on, when the Epstein case came out, she tried to sell it on eBay. This guy bought it. Uh, He started to, he just was very excited about it, reached out to the news, had this news organization come in. This is before all of the stories broke about Epstein. So they did an analysis of the ink. They find out that this this book is real. The Actually, the address book that, that it was in uh, stopped being made in like 1998 so they could judge that this address book was uh, was early on. It wasn't something made up after the fact as a hoax. Inside the book are all kinds of names that we had previously not known, including uh, a woman by the name of Suzanne Urch. Suzanne Urch was the best friend of Melania Trump. She went on to marry Woody Johnson, who is the owner of the Jets. Another name in this book was Carl Icahn. Carl Icahn, we all know, but he was also a special advisor to Donald Trump. Christina Grieven was a name listed in this Jeffrey Epstein uh, address, phone number, contact book. Christina Grieven 
is the wife of Chris Cuomo. Continue on. On WikiLeaks, Chris Cuomo with straight face on CNN looked into the cameras and said, it's illegal for you to read John Podesta's emails. Also interesting is remember, it's illegal to possess uh, these stolen documents. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. That's how scared they are of those emails. And that's how explosive the content in those emails are. That they felt the need that they had to tell you, you could not read those emails. And if you do, you might get arrested. Lie. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. So Chris Cuomo on CNN, you already know the CNN CNN is a CIA mouthpiece. I think you got to know that at this point. He goes out and tells people that they cannot legally look at the WikiLeaks drops, that they couldn't read them, that it was illegal to read them. And the only way you could get information from WikiLeaks was if the news organizations like CNN vetted it and told you what it said. I mean, think of how crazy that is, that we cannot absorb information or it would be illegal. He said that on CNN. Let me get back to this address book because I'm trying to tie a lot of people together. Uh, I, when people say they, who is they? They want to do this. They, wanna, they want digital currency. They want transgenderism. They want this. They want that. Who is they? And I've been saying for a long time, if Donald Trump is the good guy, why are we not naming names? You can see who these people are through all kinds of different vehicles. You can see what the establishment is all about. Why are we not naming names? Uh, in the Jeffrey Epstein address book, there's another name that was in it. Again, this was apparently found in the 90s, uh, made its way to a news organization. They published some of these names. This was after the big scandal. One of the names in that book was Jill Harth. Jill Harth is one of the women that accused Donald Trump of sexual assault. Her name was in this book. Stephen Ratner, who you see all the time if you're an MSNBC guy, he's an economist that worked in the Obama administration, a very squirrely character. He's always on MSNBC. His name was in that book. A guy by the name of Marty Peretz. He was the mentor to former Vice President Al Gore. Another guy that's always at the World Economic Forum, the United Nations selling his climate change agenda. Al Gore, his mentor, Marty Peretz, was in this Jeffrey Epstein book. A guy by the name of Les Gelb. He was a famed, legendary New York Times columnist. Then you had Sandy Warner. Sandy Warner was the chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan. And the last name on that list that was new, that we had not heard of before, was billionaire John Castamatidis. So there's a lot of powerful people that were in this book. And very little mention of it from the news media. And again, I just keep wondering why is all of that information continually suppressed from us? Now, I just want to go through a web. Before we get into the uh, one of the most fantastical stories that I've ever heard is the Franklin cover-up with Senator John DeCamp, who was investigating it. He's tied to Bill Colby, who was the CIA director. That story is so incredible, and when you go, when you listen to it and you listen to all the testimony in it, and we're going to play that in the second hour, stick around for the second hour if you want some mind-boggling information. But this story is exactly the same story as Jeffrey Epstein, only this was done in the 70s and 80s. Told in the 90s, but done in the 70s and 80s. And one of the guys, the key witnesses, was this guy named Paul Benassi. And I'm going to play some clips of this guy. Apparently, when you sexually abuse a kid, 
at a very young age, between like one and six, the trauma is so significant that it creates multiple personalities. You can control these multiple personalities. You can use programmers to bring them in and to bring them out. It's part of the MK Ultra experiment that came out of Nazi Germany, which we've been talking about on this show for a long, long time. And you start to see how all of these operations around MK Ultra, Nazism, child pedophilia, Satanism, they all tie together. And that's why you have to worry when your elections are being stolen because if they're being stolen by drug traffickers, by drug cartels, it is being hidden by our press and being perpetuated by the politicians in D.C., where are we going? Because I'm telling you, if you in the second hour, I'm going to make the case. Right now, it's all just set up. But in the second hour, I am going to make the case, and I think it is just, it's undeniable. But let's just get back into the web of people involved in this Jeffrey Epstein, just some people that are in focus right now that you are aware of. And let's just walk through it because the banks kind of control the situation. They are in bed with the intel agencies. And then let's talk about some of the people. We have mentioned on this show many times Donald Barr. Donald Barr was in the OSS, which was the original CIA. Donald Barr hired Jeffrey Epstein at the Dalton School in New York City when he was 21 years old. Jeffrey Epstein did not even have a degree. Donald Barr from Columbia. Jeffrey Epstein tied very tightly with Harvard University. Donald Barr hires Jeffrey Epstein to teach without a degree at the Dalton School in the 70s. Of course, Jeffrey Epstein attached to Ghislaine Maxwell. Her father, Robert Maxwell, Maxwell, who's widely rumored, was a part of the Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agencies. Robert Maxwell wrote a book called Space Relations, and I don't have time to it. I'm going to get that in, uh, get that in, in the next segment. Uh, but Space Relations, is the, the plot of the story is incredible. Now you have Jeffrey Epstein tied to Bill Clinton, tied to Hillary Clinton. The Clintons and the Clinton Foundation were heavily involved in the, uh, the catastrophe that happened down in Haiti, the natural disaster down there. One of their confidants, a woman by the name of Laura Silsby, was trying to get kids out of Haiti. She was arrested, and the Clintons came down and rescued her. Her name is Laura Silsby. She was trying to get kids that had parents. They did, their parents didn't die. They weren't orphans. She was trying to traffic them out of Haiti, and the Clintons came to her rescue. And the web goes on and on and on. Stick around. Hour number two. I'm going to make the case. We'll be right back. Whatever innocence you have when you realize that this stuff is really going on, and it's a... It's a chore to cross over that barrier and realize, oh my gosh, this stuff is really happening. The Rob Carter Show. Hey guys, Ken Kruger. I've gotten to know these guys really well over the last few years. Yes, St. Louis Bath and Renovation. They're the most trusted name in bathroom remodelers in the St. Louis area. In fact, if you need bathroom repairs, complete bathroom remodeling, or handyman services, call St. Louis Bath and Renovation at 314-477-6476 or email rob at stlbr.com. That's St. Louis Bath and Renovation. SR1 Sundays. SR1 Sundays. (laughs) 
right, everybody. Welcome back into hour number two. Thanks for sticking through the break. Once again, my name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Easter with family. Down the rabbit hole we go. If you have children in the room, if you have kids listening, now is the time to turn the station because pedophilia is the topic. An ugly topic. A sadistic topic. But nonetheless, something we have to discuss. Before we do, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, Pure Cure Coffee. If you have not tried Pure Cure Coffee, why not? What are you doing? No more corporate coffee. Buy coffee from the little guy. Fresh, delicious, delivered right to your door. I cannot speak more highly of the people involved. I cannot speak more highly of the coffee, the service. It is fantastic. Pure Cure Coffee, P-U-R-C-U-R coffee.com. You must support the sponsors. You must support those who support free speech. One of the topics that we talk about is corporatism. You don't want to get stuck in that corporate grind. You want to support your neighbors, these small businesses. That's the whole idea. You get better coffee delivered fresh to your door, and you're doing the right thing. You're supporting the little guy. No more corporate coffee. Pure Cure Coffee, P-U-R-C-U-R coffee.com. Give it a try. When we left the... uh, Story in the first hour, I was trying to make all the connections between the Clintons and the Trumps and the Epsteins and this whole cobweb of of people. Let me just very quickly run it through, run it through you one more time. You have Jeffrey Epstein, who was hired by Donald Barr at the Dalton School in New York City. What's interesting about that is Donald Barr, who hires Jeffrey Epstein, his son, Bill Barr, who was the attorney general for Donald Trump is the one who does the investigation and says, listen, I know the guards were asleep. I know the cameras were off, but I, Lord Bill Barr, have deemed this a suicide. There's nothing to see here, and the story just goes away because Bill Barr, son of Donald Barr, who hired Jeffrey Epstein at the Dalton School, says it's over, nothing to see here. By the way, Bill Barr was also the guy that came out and said the elections were fine. They were just delicious, not one vote out of place. 81 million votes for Adolf Magoo Biden. Nothing to see here. Move about your day. I, Bill Barr, have deemed the elections perfectly fine. Now, when you look into these connections, you've got Bill Clinton and Donald Trump both tied to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, the stories go, and you can believe whatever story you want because you love Donald Trump. And because you love Donald Trump, you'll believe anything that he says. He kicked Epstein out of the club. Fine. Maybe he did. I'm not saying that he didn't, but I'm just saying he is in these circles of Jeffrey Epstein, and so is Bill Clinton, and then Donald Trump and Bill Clinton were friends. Jeffrey Epstein was also attached to a guy by the name of Les Wexner. If you don't know the story of Les Wexner, he was the CEO of The Limited, which owned Victoria's Secret. Les Wexner hired a guy named, excuse me, Leonard Schlesinger. Right around that time, Jeffrey Epstein gets into his business, and Jeffrey Epstein starts running his money. You look up Leonard Schlesinger, and he is on the Council of Foreign Relations. He's a political guy from Harvard. And right around the same time, Jeffrey Epstein comes into the organization, the Limited, to run Les Wexner's money. And then you start doing your research on Les Wexner, and you find out that he was tied to the Bush administration, administration. He was a liaison between the U.S. and Israel. Then you look deeper, and you find video of Les Wexner giving an interview to David Gergen. Now, David Gergen from CNN, we've talked about him a lot on this show. David Gergen is a big-time club member. 
you might remember him. Alex Jones ambushed him and asked him about Bohemian Grove. We're going to talk about Bohemian Grove here in a bit, but it's basically satanic rituals, rituals led by club members in these woods out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and David Gergen was a part of that. He was, a, he was ambushed by Alex Jones, a famous, if you're an alternative news, it's one of the most famous clips you'll ever see. It's, it's crazy. We find a video of Les Wexner giving an interview to David Gergen. Very interesting. I think all of these connections are kind of crazy. Then when you go over to the Clinton side, you've got Clinton confidant uh, attorney Doug Schoen. Doug Schoen is always on Fox News. He used to go on all of the major networks and advocate the Clintons, Bill and Hillary. His brother, David Schoen, uh, these are all club members, all club member schools, by the way. David Schoen defended Trump in the impeachment. So did Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz was accused of having sex with an underage girl on Jeffrey Epstein's island. He also defended Donald Trump in impeachment number two. He also has ties to Alex Acosta. Alex Acosta is the guy that gave Jeffrey Epstein a sweetheart deal. Jeffrey Epstein and Alex Acosta were tied together, and then Alex Acosta goes to work in the Donald Trump administration as the labor secretary. Then you move over to the Clintons, and the Clintons uh, were attached to a woman named Laura Silsby. Laura Silsby tried to get 30 Haitian kids out of Haiti on a bus. The Haitian authorities uh, uh, got her, put her in jail, and the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation came to her rescue after she was in prison for trying to steal 30 kids that she said was orphaned, but they weren't. These are all things that are just, when you look at them in totality, they become just absolutely crazy amazing. And then one other thing that I just cannot get past is why there is no coverage of this story. If you were out there and you're in the big time press, how can it be that Donald Barr, the father of Bill Barr, who was in the OSS, which was the original CIA, could hire Jeffrey Epstein, who's obviously tied to Glenn Maxwell and Robert Maxwell, who's been accused of being in Mossad, but how can Donald Barr, Jeffrey Epstein, and Bill Barr all be tied together? Because you got to remember, Bill Barr is the one who said, nothing to see here. Then you read that Donald Barr wrote a book. When you read the plot of the book, it, it's incredible as it relates to everything that's going on around these pedophilia conversations. The book was called Space Relations. I hate reading script. I'm terrible at it. But let me give you the gist of the plot of this book written by Donald Barr, father of Bill Barr. Attorney General of the United States under Donald Trump related Donald Barr attached to Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Barr, who said Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. I mean, you see the triangle there. It's just incredible. Here's the plot of the book, Space Relations, written by Donald Barr. It says, in the future, humans have formed an intergalactic empire ruled by aristocrats. During a time of war with the Plith, an empire of ant-like alien bug people, Ambassador John Craig, a formal formerly liberal Earthman in his 30s, is dispatched to the strategically important planet of Kassar, a human colony that was settled by the Carlisle Society. Before I go on, when it says Carlisle Society, the Bushes are attached to the Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group is a, a investment bank, huge, powerful investment bank. That's where the uh, governor of Virginia comes from, Yunkin, from the Carlisle Group. So when you see Carlisle, you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy. They're throwing it right in your eyes because... Uh, Donald Barr was in the Reagan administration at the, t at the same time our CIA buddy, George Bush, was VP of the United States. Let me continue on. I don't want to get too off track. 
A human colony that was settled by the Carlisle Society as a place of exile for political extremists and now is ruled by an oligarchical high council of seven nobles, each of whom is in charge of a different domain with its own traditions. Check this out. Their boredom and absolute power have driven them to madness to the point that Kassar's entry into the empire has been stymied by the man-inhabited planet's treaties clause against alliances with slave-owning societies due to its practice of kidnapping humans to become illegal playthings of the galaxy's super-rich. It continues on in this back page. It says, Craig then spent two years as a, as a slave of the beautiful, sensual, and sadistic Lady Morgan Sidney, the only female member of the oligarchy with whom he became romantically involved. Together, they lived in the castle, ruling over and engaging in sexual relations with those under their dominion, including an enslaved teenager at a clinic used to breed enslaved people. When Craig stumbles on hints of an alien invasion, he realizes he must escape to save humanity. Craig is uh, depicted as undisturbed by Lady Morgan's sadism. When he is ordered to sexually assault the enslaved teenager, he enjoys his participation in the act. I mean, uh, amazing. Let me move over to this clip by uh, with Leslie Stahl and Marjorie Taylor Greene. If you remember, Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes interviewed Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was trying to say, what about the um, Hunter Biden laptop? She goes, oh, you know, that's not real. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then Marjorie Taylor goes on again with Leslie Stahl. What is going on there? Why would somebody representing Donald Trump go back and talk to Leslie Stahl and not bring that up? Or why in the world... Would you use that person again for an interview? Doesn't make any sense to me. But here's the conversation about pedophilia between Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Clip number two, four. Ready? Go. The Democrats are a party of pedophiles. Accurate. I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. They are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? Democrats Democrats support, even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. This society that we're living in has lost its marbles. But again, when, when Marjorie Taylor Greene says to Leslie Stahl, the Democrats are for pedophilia. Remember Joe Biden, creepy Joe Biden? Before Donald Trump changed his nickname to Sleepy Joe Biden, it was Creepy Joe Biden. And you could go on the internet and watch all of these instances where Creepy Joe Biden is grabbing young girls around their waist, trying to touch them in inappropriate places. It's all right there on camera. Everybody could see it, petting them putting his face up right down on by their lips and their ears and sniffing their hair. And it's just disturbing. And Donald Trump didn't make one word of that during the debates in 2016. I remember thinking to myself, he is going to just, I don't think that Joe Biden, in fact, I think I might've predicted that Joe Biden wouldn't even come to the debates because if Donald Trump had said, Hey, everybody go onto the internet and watch all of these uh, videos of Adolf Magoo Biden acting inappropriate with young children, that would have been the end of it. But no, 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 no. He didn't even bring it up. He's never brought it up. Why? Why would you not bring those things to light? That is the kind of thing that would so sicken the American populace on both sides, whether they're on the left and or on the right. They would look at that and go, wait a minute. Something doesn't seem right here with Joseph Biden. But Donald Trump didn't do any of that. There's so many things that make me skeptical of his story. 
and that is one of them. The the idea that Donald Trump has not made more of an issue about the creepiness of Joe Biden is something I just flat out do not understand. Let me move on to this next story because I'm going to tie all of these things together. If you have not seen the Netflix documentary about Jimmy Savile, Jimmy Savile was an entertainer in Britain, one of the most famous entertainers in that country's history. He was very tied to the crown. Uh, he was on TV all of the time, and behind the scenes, he was a just a prolific pedophile. And the reason I bring Jimmy Savile into the conversation is there's a lot of times when things go on right before our very eyes that we don't even notice. Jimmy Seville would give interviews, and people started to recognize that he was saying creepy things. During this documentary that Netflix did, they interviewed some of the television personalities that worked with him, uh, that did interviews with him, and they said at the time you could just feel an evil and uneasiness about this guy. They didn't like him. They They just felt gross, especially the women. But because he'd become such a celebrity that they just rolled with it. They just, everything that he said that was creepy and out of sorts, they just rolled with, they didn't say anything, they just moved on about their business, and he kept getting promoted. He became an icon in society. He became somebody that everybody looked up to. He was the guy because he was raising money for these uh, these boys and girls homes, that these kids that were put away, like in a prison almost, because they had done something uh, illegal, when they were young, they would go to these detention centers. He became somebody who was an advocate for these kids that were in these, you know, basically uh, children's prisons. And he would go there all the time. Well, it turns out he was taking kids from these prisons. Now, you got to ask yourself, who's allowing that, number one? But he's taking these kids from the, these prisons, and he's sexually assaulting them in his van and in other places. This is the way the story goes after the fact. One of the most prolific pedophiles, pedophiles in history And nobody seemed to notice in Great Britain. And I'm wondering, is the same thing going on here with many of our celebrities and many of our political elite? And it just goes on right underneath our nose and we think nothing of it. When I get back into the next segment, we are going to talk about the uh, Franklin Bank story. This is out of Nebraska. It has all the same elements where you have uh, the boys club. Uh, That's where these kids were being uh, taken and trafficked around to political elites elites around the country. It's a very similar story. When you tie that together with Jeffrey Epstein, Jimmy Seville, and all of these other stories, and then you bring in, in the final segment, we're going to talk about Mike Gill and Jacqueline Brager because in New Hampshire and in Arizona, you have two people that tell very similar stories about the banks, about illegal drug cartels, about money laundering within the Uh, within the political elites, within the states. It's the same story in both places. The same story in Arizona is the same thing that's going on in New Hampshire and probably, most likely, the same thing that's going on around this country as we sit around and debate whether Donald Trump is the right guy to come save us from everything. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Stick around. Uh, We're going to get deeper into the story, segment five and six coming, and that's when we really start to make the case. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. In the crowd, you won't leave any trace. It's always the same. You're jumping someone else's train. SR1 Sundays. The Rob Carter Show.
There are chameleons among us. Let me jump right back in because I do not think I'm going to have enough time to get through all of the information. If you want to pick up the story after this two-hour show, we'll have a podcast out tomorrow night. TheRobShowPodcast.com with two Bs. You can find it on Spotify under The Rob Show. You can find it on Apple Podcast under The Rob Show. Always Rob spelled with two Bs. And we'll finish the story. We'll add context to it. In the podcast form, it can be just a little bit more R-rated, if you will. So if you want to continue the story after the show, tomorrow night, Monday night, we will have uh, the continuation of this pedophile story that we're putting together for you. Have you ever heard the name Isaac Cappy? Now, if you're on the alternative news sources, you know who Isaac Cappy is. If you're new to all of this information and you think, ah, this is just crazy, there's no way it could be, let me tell you something. Open your mind up to what's going on here. You know the stories with Jeffrey Epstein. Those are out in the open. But when you find out that that is a very similar story to the Franklin cover-up that went down in Nebraska, and you see all of the same stories, all of the same ways of doing business coordinated, It's all around the banks and the drug cartels, quite honestly. I mean, when you really look down into it. And then they use all these political figures and actors and actresses to hide it because a lot of these political actors, if you will, are involved. Uh, They are groomed. They are compromised. It's it's just crazy, but it's I tell you what. If I was on the jury and I had all of this information in front of me, I would say it's true. And I would say it's true beyond any shadow of a doubt when you really dig into it. So Isaac Cappy, best known for his role on Breaking Bad, he was doing videos saying that uh, Tom Hanks, Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg were all involved in this elite pedophile ring out there in Hollywood. Now, I don't know if that's true. And for legal reasons, I don't want to even insinuate that it's true. It's just that he said it was true. And he was going out and doing videos. And he named lots of people in Hollywood. Uh, a lot of people associated with the Jeffrey Epstein flight logs, like um, uh, Naomi Campbell. Um, who else did he have? Anton LaVey, who was the Church of Satan guy out there, along with uh, Michael Aquino, um, Kevin Spacey, Chris Tucker. He goes on with, with a bunch of different people. But the big ones that he named uh, were Oprah, Steven Spielberg, and Tom Hanks. He did a video about that, and here's just a little flavor of it. And the reason I bring it to your attention is because what he says here is relevant. Pay very close attention to this clip. Isaac Cappy. Ready. Go. I don't care. I've already been blacklisted. They can't double blacklist me. They can try to kill me. You know, good luck with that. Isaac Cappy committed suicide on May 13th, 2019. And when you dig into it and you look at all the news reports of his death, It says that he was forced off a bridge, landed on the concrete below, and was ran over by a semi. What a way to go, Isaac Cappy. And he did some videos after that where he basically says he made a huge mistake, he's a bad person, on and on and on. And then right after that, within a couple of days, uh, he commits suicide. So it's very difficult to say whether he committed suicide or whether somebody was holding him hostage when he did these videos. Something went down, but he is dead, died 513 2019 and some of the names that he mentions I find interesting because Tom Hanks you would never think that I don't I I apologize to Tom Hanks for his name even being involved but it's interesting because Tom Hanks this is before COVID-19 where Isaac Cappy is making these assumptions and making these accusations I guess I should say because 
the face at the very beginning of COVID-19, we've talked about it many times, was Tom Hanks. One of the most biggest stars in Hollywood, he's over in Australia saying he's got COVID-19, and that's how the American people were first frightened about how terrible COVID-19 was going to be. Also, Tom Hanks has a son named Chet. Uh, I never paid much attention to this guy. He's kind of a loose cannon, but he does all of these videos with his shirt off, and somebody said, hey, did you pay attention to the tattoo on his chest? I had not noticed it because he's got tattoos all over the place. He's just covered with tattoos. And he's doing all of these interviews with his shirt off. And then I found one where I could see it. And I'm like, wow, he's got the all-seeing eye, that like Illuminati eye that's on our, on our money. He's got that tattoo dead square in the middle of his chest. Maybe just for attention. Who knows? But I do think it's odd that his name is mentioned and his son's got the Illuminati signal or uh, Illuminati uh, tattoo right in the middle of his chest. Now, Oprah, again, she's tied to Harvey Weinstein and everybody knows those stories. She's also tied to a guy named John of God. I don't know if you know who this is, but she used to go meet with him. He was this spiritual healer in Brazil, and uh, she made a big deal about this guy. Turns out he, again, was a prolific pedophile. I believe, Frankie, might want to look it up. I think he is in prison uh, for uh, pedophilia. So all of these stories are kind of bizarre. I don't know what to make of them, but they tie in to uh, a lot of these people that were on the that came out as being a part of uh, Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs and heading to Pedophile Island and all this, they ended up getting um, presidential medals of honor under the Barack Obama administration. Um, And we know all the stories where Joan Rivers said that uh, Michelle Obama was a tranny and all of these things, and they may be all just ridiculous. Who knows? I'm just saying there's a lot of smoke there. And then some of the people that got medals and some of the people that this Isaac Cappy mentioned uh ellen degeneres now again ellen degeneres we know came out as a lesbian woman but what's also interesting about ellen degeneres remember the uh the uh, las vegas shootings ellen degeneres the one witness to what went on down there in in uh, supposedly anyway uh in the mass shootings in las vegas the one witness the only interview that he did was on ellen degeneres now why would that be why would Ellen DeGeneres be the only person that the only witness would talk to after the mass shootings at that country festival in Las Vegas? Crazy. Uh, go, other presidential medals of honor that I thought were interesting. Um, Steven Spielberg get one. Oprah gets one. Um, Bill and Melinda Gates. Uh, we know their story. They get them. Uh, so some of these people that are getting presidential medals of honor are also associated with this Isaac Cappy story. Uh, Very odd, I think. I don't know what to make of it. I just think it's information that in a free society we should be able to discuss. I'm not making any accusations on any of these people. They may be completely innocent. But my, oh my, is there a lot of information out there that would lead you to think something's going on. Even if these people aren't involved, and I shouldn't even have mentioned them, I just think the story is so fantastical that you almost have to bring the stories up. Um, if If they're being wrongly accused... It's a terrible thing. I I get it. It's horrible. But what is the story with Jeffrey Epstein? Why aren't they talking about it? We know know what happened. So if you're attached to him, if you're going on trips with him, if you're involved in his sphere like Bill Gates is, what's the story? Why can't we ask him questions? Because uh, a lot of powerful people were caught up in a very crazy web of deceit, wouldn't you say? Now let me get into this Franklin cover-up story. This is one of the greatest stories of all time. Um. I'm going to play another clip from uh, Out of Shadows to kind of set this up. 
But the story goes that this um, this credit union had two key players in it. Lawrence King, who was a prominent Republican back in the 80s, black guy, um, and, and Republican back in the 80s, because that was kind of rare. And he was tied with a guy by the name of Craig Spence. These two guys worked for a credit union, the Franklin Federal Credit Union. The feds come and uh, audit this place, and turns out they only had a couple million dollars on hand, and they had $38 million missing. So it becomes a story about finances. But as that story reaches the public eye, all of these kids from the boys' club and from uh, whatever, from these boys' clubs, start calling in and saying that they were involved in this elite pedophile ring ran out of Nebraska. Okay, so just keep that in your mind. You might think it's crazy. I'm going to play some clips. I did the research on this. It's absolutely true. The key witness in the story who they defamed at the very beginning and all of the politicians and all of the police, uh, the police chief and the media all came out and tried to uh, tear this kid down. His name's Paul Bonacci, Bonacci, however you just, uh, pronounce it. Uh, he has split personalities, and you can watch him interviewed on YouTube. There's hours and hours of it. Turns out that this is a real thing, these split personalities. You get these split personalities when there's trauma early on in your life. And he has hundreds of personalities, the key one being this Paul Benassi, but he's got several. The psychiatrist involved said he doesn't even have the ability to lie because when he's telling the story about someone else, it's not even, he's just telling the story. So he is like a robot, like a computer when he's given these answers. He has a photographic memory. He has a diary that lists all of the dates. He can tell you everything, and it was corroborated as being truthful. And a, when, he, was, when it, um, he filed a case in civil court, he won. So the judge found him to be truthful. He names George Bush Sr. as one of these people. He goes to D.C. and shows the houses where these things were happening. I mean, it's just incredible, and nobody even knew about these stories. They were all hidden. It is, it's incredible. Let me give you just a little bit of this guy, Paul Benassi. He's at the middle of it. So they were running these sex rings, by the way. So this Lawrence King, a prominent Republican, and Craig Spence. Craig Spence, when he got caught up in this thing, said the uh, CIA is going to kill me, and they're going to make it look like an accident. Well, he died in his hotel not too long after that, and it was ruled a suicide. And there's like 10 or 12 people involved in this story that mysteriously died. Always the same way it is when you got the Clinton, uh, uh, the, the Clinton stories going on or the DNC stories, if you will. All of these people die, and then uh, like the media is supposed to do, they're supposed to touch on it, then they move to the next narrative, everybody forgets about it, and when you look behind yourself, you see a mountain of information that never got, uh, never got resolved. Same situation here. Let me give you just a little bit of this Paul Benassi because the multiple personalities, it's an incredible thing. When you watch all of these videos, he is like a robot and he answers these questions like a robot. It is fascinating, the story that he tells. But let me give you just a little flavor of that and then we'll go into the guy that broke the story really was the senator by the name of John DeCamp from Nebraska. John DeCamp went out into the local press and said, this is crazy, this story didn't happen. If there's any truth to it, I'd know about it. I sit on the Senate uh, Committee for Financing here in Nebraska and blah, 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 blah. Well, this Paul Benassi got this uh, uh, video or heard this uh, John DeCamp making these claims, wrote him a letter and said, listen, I can prove it to you if you'll give me a chance. So this John DeCamp, the senator, goes to meet with this kid who's in prison, uh, Paul Benassi, and this Paul Benassi tells him the story DeCamp goes out and does all of the homework and finds it to be not only credible, but completely and totally true and uses the rest of his career to make the story known. But you didn't hear about it, and I didn't hear about it, and I think that that is just incredible. 
Paul Benassi, clip number four seven. Ready, go. This is a deposition tape, by the way. Oh, okay. So set up the engagements and the encounters with the person. I simply was told to, in when they program the personalities or the triggers, as I called them, they would call me up and they would use a code. I would simply switch into that trigger, go to where they told me to go, whether it would be or get on an airplane because they would already have the tickets there. They would have the tickets there under a name that only that trigger would know and go to wherever it was. There would be somebody waiting for them in that city and take them to wherever it was that they were supposed to go, bring them back to the airport, put them on the plane. They would come back home and as soon as they walked in the door, the memory of everything that had just happened would be erased completely. Okay, now... Did Monarch pay for any or all of the travel that that you've described um, during portions of your earlier testimony in this deposition? This is a deposition, and when they bring up Monarch, Monarch is a Nazi mind control operation that was brought into the United States. That's why I keep bringing up that Michael Aquino. That's what Michael Aquino talks about. Michael Aquino was named multiple times. When I started looking through all of this stuff, Michael Aquino's name was everywhere. A Satanist who works at the NSA. It's just incredible. And again, Michael Aquino, as a Satanist, went on the Oprah Winfrey show decades ago. But this product monarch, the idea behind it is that they can take these kids when they're young and program them like a robot. This particular kid, Paul Benassi, has a photographic memory. So he has all of these different uh, personalities, which I know a lot of people think is crazy, but all you got to do is watch it and you'll be convinced because there's no way that he can answer the questions the way that he does over a long period of time with the dates, where the people are at, everything off the top of his head if it weren't true. It's just incredible. All this stuff has been verified 10 times to Sunday. It's It's just an incredible story. But what they do is they are able to program these kids the way you think of programming a computer. There's actually a part in this deposition where she asks a question and his eyes start darting around. It's the most, it's freaky to watch. His eyes start bouncing all over the place. And she goes, what happened there? Your eyes were darting around. What was going on in your head? And he basically says he's got these, he's got a, like a Rolodex in his head and he has to find where it's at in order to answer her question. Uh, And she says, do you think that you are programmed and your mind works very similar to a computer? And he responds, yes. So the, uh, the mind control operation, the MK Ultra, the Project Monarch, and some of these operations, they come from Nazi Germany, and it explains a lot of the stories that we talked about when I did the episode on mind control before. The Charles Manson story in particular, because the Charles Manson story has so much political implication to it that people don't recognize. Uh, they're all tied to a guy that was in the mind control experiments named Jolly West. Jolly West is one of these guys that could program these people to do something and then wash their minds so they had no recollection of it. I bring you Sirhan Sirhan, who assassinated Robert F. Kennedy Jr. If you watch him uh, before the, uh, when you watch him in prison giving interviews, he has no idea what happened or why he did it. Says he has no problem with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Stick around. One more segment to go. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and take. All right, everybody, welcome back. I've been around for a long 
I don't think I'm going to get to the Mike Gill, Jacqueline Brager part of the conversation. Those two stories, one in New Hampshire and one in Arizona, kind of tie the entire system together. How the banks, how the political elites within the states have been compromised and are working with the drug cartels. It's very complicated. It's quite a cobweb when you dig into it. All I'll say is that Mike Gill up in New Hampshire, he's got a show called State of Corruption, New Hampshire. He has the same story as Jacqueline Brager, who claimed that the Sinaloa drug cartel had taken over all of the positions of power and had infiltrated the entire system in Arizona. I'll get to those on the podcast. We're going to put that out tomorrow night, 11 o'clock Eastern time, Monday night, therobshowpodcast.com. Rob spelled with two Bs, therobshowpodcast.com. If you want to get it on Apple Podcasts, search The Rob Show. If you want to get it on Spotify, search The Rob Show anywhere. You get podcasts, search The Rob Show. We'll have the conclusion of this conversation tomorrow night, Monday night, 11 o'clock Eastern. Now, this Paul Bonacci uh, is such a fascinating character. And the reason it rings true is there's a lot of people in his corner that are investigators. Um, All of the information that he gave to them checked out. Apparently, one of these personalities that he has had a photographic memory. And he brought it back, and he was able to channel this personality and go back and give dates and times. He, his, his grandfather, his father, one of the two, I can't remember, told him when he was a young boy that he should have a diary, that it, he, it would benefit him later on in life to keep a diary every day of the goings and comings of his life. And he did. So when he ends up in prison, he has this diary, and he goes back through this entire diary in his mind and puts it all together for everybody. And then the stories all match up. All of the all of the times he says he's here and the political elites are there, all of this stuff matches up to where you can't deny it anymore. They took it to court, and the guy that represented him was John DeCamp. He was a senator from Nebraska, and he won the case. This kid won, won a little over a million dollars, I believe, in this court case because you couldn't deny that he was telling the truth. I found this clip. Now, do you remember when uh, right at the beginning of all of these child abductions and kids were missing, they started putting missing kids on the back of milk cartons? Well, the first kid that was ever on the back of a milk carton was a kid by the name of Johnny Gosh. Now, Johnny Gosh, his mom was out looking for him. She hires these investigators, and she goes on this show called the Faith Daniels Show to tell her story. Paul um, that this Paul Bonassi got a hold of the family and said that I helped kidnap your child. Apparently, this this child trafficking ring would use young kids to find other young kids all by force. When when you hear the stories that went on, and we'll talk about that on podcast because it's just too it's it's too much for a radio listening audience. You you just can't even talk about these kind of things. But what they did to these kids, the torture. Um, that was performed on these kids is so over the top, it's unbelievable. And it caused them to do things to save their own life that are horrific. He was involved, apparently, in helping kidnap this Johnny Gosh, who was the first kid ever put on the back of milk cartons. This woman named Faith Faith Daniels does kind of an Oprah-type show, a Sally Jesse Raphael-type show. She has the mother whose child is missing, along with an investigator who spent two years putting the pieces together, who had interviewed this Paul... um, Uh, Paul Bonacci, 
and said everything he says is true. And this is the way the conversation went down on that show back in, I believe this was in the 80s or 90s. I apologize. I didn't get the date for you. I should have done that. Um, But this is the way the conversation went down. And this is how the investigator verified that Paul Bonacci was telling him the truth. Clip number seven, eight. Ready. Go. Were you involved in any of the sexual abuse of Johnny? I was forced to participate in it. So this is the Paul Bonacci. He is in prison at the time or in jail on ridiculous charges because they were trying to silence this kid. So they've got him in jail. He is talking to this woman, Faith Daniels, who is the, uh, she is the, I, I never heard of her before, but she did a talk show back in the day. She is with the mother and the investigator, and they have this Paul Bonacci on a phone conversation, and she, he's, she's asking him questions, and here's how the entire conversation goes. Fascinating. Check this out. We have a videotape, which, Paul, I know you cannot see, but you are familiar with, of a restaurant in Denver. On the wall, you can see the words, Johnny Gosh was here. Were you there when those words were painted onto the wall? Yes. Was Johnny there as well? Yes. How long ago was that? That was in about March of 86. When was the last time you saw Johnny Gosh? In March of 86. In March of 86. Do you know now if he's still alive? I believe so, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Do you have any idea where Johnny may be? I have some ideas, but I'm not, uh, have no facts with that. Johnny is an adult now. Do you have any information on whether he is being held against his will or whether he is staying away? Uh, I, I don't know. What's your best guess? My guess, best guess is they worked on him the same way they worked on a lot of the other kids that were involved with them. They make them feel a lot of guilt. And by the time they become adults, they're so much a part of it that they're afraid to ever go back home or afraid to tell anybody because these people tell them that for what they've done, they'll be uh, they'll either kill him or they'll end up going to prison or something. Paul, stay with us on the phone, if you will. We're going to take a commercial break here, and we'll come back and continue in a moment. So this kid is in prison, and he is, again, It's a very he's, he's like a robot. And when you see him later on in some of these interviews and some of these depositions as he gets older, because this is when he's young. So he gets older and older and older, and now he is in society out there with everyone else. But when he was being deposed and when he was giving the information, he he gives you everything you need to know. On this particular show, this is at the very beginning when he is in prison. This is before he ever gets out. This is when they are uh, trying to frame him as a liar. Uh, tell, they basically put him in prison uh, for some ridiculous reason. He had, well, I can't even say it on the air, but he had done something where they put him in prison and tried to silence him. And he had all of the information. He implicates, uh, let me finish this off and then I'll tell you some of the people he implicated because it's just, it's too much. And then when you hear these psychiatrists come in and say, listen, he could, he didn't even have the ability to lie because of the multiple personalities. And this is all a part of psychiatry and psychology. They know these things to be true. 
It's kind of crazy. Check it out. We're back. We're talking about the disappearance of Johnny Gosh 10 years ago. We are talking with a convicted child molester from behind prison who says he was there on the day that Johnny was abducted. Paul, why should we believe this information that you have? Uh, I don't really know why you should believe me, but I'm telling the truth, and I just feel like I have to tell this. I would have come forward if I were known it sooner myself, but because of uh, multiple personality disorder I have, I did not even know myself as Paul about this. And I know that what, what was done was wrong, and... Roy Stevens is here with us, Paul. You've investigated... So this Roy Stevens is an investigator who was out finding kids back in the day, and he was very successful. Um, he was a known person at the time. So he comes on this show, he is representing the family, and he has tested all of the information that Paul Bonacci gave to him. But Paul Bonacci doesn't know anything about it. He is only giving information. He has had no confirmation whether what he told... Uh, this investigator was found out to be true. No, he had no idea. He just told him everything that he knew, and this investigator went out and did uh, did his job. And here's how this conversation goes. This is really, really important to understand and just con- crazy fascinating. Check this out. And solved 60 missing child cases. Why do you believe Paul's information? Because he's telling the truth, simply put. I've been working with Paul for two years and following up his information, following up the leads that he has provided, the personal knowledge that he has given. Not once in two years have I been able to prove him to be other than truthful. I've located other people. I've located other people involved in this case that Paul has provided information on. He knows too many things, personal things about Johnny, that even I did not know when I went into this case for the Goshes. He knew things that took place that morning. He knew about the photograph that had been taken of Johnny two weeks before he was abducted. Nobody knew the photograph had ever been taken. Not only did he tell us about the photograph, he described it, and the background that was in the photograph matched perfectly the information that we have on the photograph. Pretty remarkable, too, that he knew about the writing on the wall in the restaurant. Yes. What's amazing about that little feature there is that that information about the restaurant and the wall with the writing on it didn't even come from Paul. It came from some, I believe, former neighbors of John and Irene Gosh that were out there on vacation, saw it, remembered, and called the Gosh family. They, in turn, called me. On my next trip out, I saw the restaurant. I took those photographs of the wall. When I came back, I visited with Paul. I did not show him the writing on the wall, did not even tell him what was there. I simply showed him a photograph of the exterior of the restaurant. Once he saw the exterior, he told me what kind of restaurant it is, the unique features of the restaurant, which is very unique, and then proceeded to tell me about the fact they had been painting their fingernails that day. They were being made fun of, so they went to the restroom, and the end result was the writing on the wall. The interesting fact of the whole thing is the writing on the wall is in fact put on with dark red fingernail polish, a maroon type red. In Paul's description of what took place, Matched they up. were using Incredible. fingernail polish, dark red maroon type 
Paul did not know I'd ever seen that restaurant or seen the wall. Uh, Paul, we've heard some pretty amazing information that you have that would lead everyone here to believe that you do, in fact, know information about the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. In your mind, what can you tell us that would prove to us that you know what happened? What's the most convincing piece of evidence? I don't really know because uh, nobody's ever told me if anything I've ever said has been true. Nobody's ever told me that anything I've ever told them about like the writing on the wall or uh, the scar that Johnny had and stuff. Nobody's ever told me if any of that stuff was ever true. So nobody's ever confirmed to me anything that I've ever said. Long story short, the investigator never told this kid anything. This Paul Bonacci from prison was able to explain to him all of this writing on the wall and all of these things that went down when he was a part of helping this pedophile ring kidnap this Johnny Gosh. Johnny Gosh, the first child ever on the back of a milk carton. I mean, is it not just unbelievable, these stories? So if you do all of your research into this, you're going to get a lot of your information uh, from this guy, John DeCamp. Now, John DeCamp was a senator in Nebraska. Um, and I'm going to play a lot of clips from him in the uh, as we continue on this conversation on the podcast, maybe a little bit next week, depending on how much more information I want to get out there. But John DeCamp, uh, he was... He was, a, he was a player. He was very good friends with CIA director Bill Colby, William Colby. When he asked William Colby, when he this information was before him, William Colby said, listen, there's some things you just don't want to touch. There's some things you should know. Um, the best way to, to uh, the best way to clear yourself, the best way to protect yourself from death, really, because you're going to get killed for getting this information out there or for talking about this, is to write a book. He goes, the more the information is out there, th then you're no longer a liability. The information is out there. there. There's no reason to kill you. And he writes a book and does a documentary and all these things. William Colby, by the way, CIA director, ended up go taking a, a, a canoe ride by himself and was found turned over dead. They ruled it a suicide, of course, or, or that he had a heart attack and died. But he was riding in a canoe and they found him face down in the water. Some of these things are just too fantastical to believe. Last note, because the show must end. John DeCamp ran for Senate and lost to a guy by the name of Chuck Hagel. If you're a political follower, Chuck Hagel uh, became the Secretary of Defense, as a Republican, became the Secretary of Defense for Barack Obama. What's interesting is Chuck Hagel was heavily invested in voting machines. John DeCamp ran against him. John DeCamp had a 68% approval rating. He was the guy to beat. He runs against Chuck Hagel. Chuck Hagel beats him, and he only beats him in the place where they have electronic voting machines. Isn't that interesting? And the company that he was invested in eventually turned in to Dominion Voting Systems. You cannot make it up. Hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. Happy Easter, everyone. We'll see you next week. Six to eight o'clock on the Rob Carter Show. Good night, everybody. This is SR1.